Welcome to Bethel Cleveland's Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy today's message. For more information on this podcast and other resources, please go to BethelCleveland.com. Special thanks to Chris Lewis. That was powerful. Really. Stand up just a minute, Chris. <laughs> Amen. Did a great job. Love that. And and Anna Trumbo, who is dancing up here. I don't know if she's in here. We just really like thank her. Appreciate all the beautiful gifts that God has given us uh, in this church. And we just rejoice in that. Hey, hello, my name's Steve Witt. Senior leader here online too. We just want to welcome you from around the world. We at one point we had 29 nations watching. So I just got a text this morning. Happy Resurrection Day from Pakistan. So God is moving around the world, and uh, and we're really excited about what He's doing. Hey, um, I do want to just say a quick thanks for Friday night. Uh, I don't know how many of you came out. We packed out the first. We we threw a second showing in about noon, maybe even a little later on Friday, because we had sold out a couple weeks before. And we were concerned, you know, about size and everything else, so we threw in another showing. Of course, some showed up at 9 o'clock. We had a great second showing, and uh, we saw many come to know Jesus. And what just a powerful night. I was so, I, it's one of the most encouraging things that's happened to me as a minister in a long time, probably years. I mean, it just... Uh, the culmination of the hard work uh, Aaron um, did, uh, Aaron Powell did, he's at the back there, the, the, the hours, yeah, that he and Josh Witt, what's that? Yeah, that's a good idea, thank you. My coach here in the front row is telling me what to do. Yeah, in fact, everyone who participated in one way or another during the play, stand up if you could around the room. We want to thank you. There's so much going on. Everybody, just stand up. We had about, thank you very much, all of you. We had about 40 or 50 people, and you know, I, I got to say, and you're going to watch, you'll be able to watch the video pretty soon. Aaron's producing it. We're going to put a video out that you can watch the whole thing. But I, what I watched was, what I saw, which was really encouraging, was the disciples, many of who, whom, the, I'm talking about the, those who are playing disciples, 12 guys, uh, didn't really, not, you know, most of them didn't know each other and knew each other lightly. And just watching the bond that happened from acting, <laughs> you know, breaking bread with one another over and over again, you know, in all of our practices, and came out with a community. This is our first venture with our creative community. Uh, again, we probably had about 40 people involved in this uh, makeup, artists, uh, everything you can think of, uh, photography. Uh, all the scenery that we had in the back, the tech stuff. It, I'm just, I was overwhelmed yesterday just with thanksgiving for who we are and the door it is opening for us right now with music that's about, I'm really, I'm prophesying here now, but music that's about to go around the world. And I believe even productions that will be simple yet powerful that will go around the world and touch many people's lives out of this house. So this is an important part to be a part of what we're doing you know, let's declare COVID over. <laughs> I tell, I tell, <laughs> I kid with Jay all the time about his song Matchless. I said, can we change that to maskless for a while? 
I'm just, uh, but anyway, it is what it is, and we're moving on, and the kingdom of God will not be stopped. Hey, turn with me, if you could, to 1 Peter chapter, uh, actually, go to, go to Luke 24, Luke 24, I'm going to look there first, and we might touch back on 1 Peter, Luke 24, verse 1, if you're on your iPhone, or you have your Bible, let me just quote this Billy Graham quote on Easter Sunday, he says this, for the believer, for the believer, there is hope beyond the grave. Because Jesus Christ has opened the door to heaven for us by his death and his resurrection. I love that quote. I read it earlier and I just thought, what a powerful quote from a great man of God who's really a national icon in the United States and lives such a a godly, righteous life and died at an old age. What was he, 99 or 100 years old, something like that. And to realize at the core of it, at the end of it, Billy Graham's really saying the same thing he said his whole life, that there's hope in Jesus Christ because he came down, God became a man, dwelt among us, uh, was falsely accused, had great sufferings in the last year of his life leading up to the last week of his life, which we all remembered and celebrated this past week. And finally gave his life the ultimate gift. No greater love has anybody, any man or woman, that they lay down their life for a friend. And guess what? You are God's friend. And his life was laid down in Jesus Christ, God in the flesh. But he didn't stay there. He broke the power of death, broke the fear of death to allow everyone to be able to enter into it knowing there's resurrection on the other side. As I said earlier, absent from the body, present with the Lord. You know, in Luke chapter 24, verse, uh, verse one, it says this. It says, now on the first day of the week, and I want you to note something here. I want you to note uh, how people are being touched in a post-cross, resurrected Jesus who's now on the loose. And by the way, he was on the loose. Most people never talk about this or think about it but he was on the loose for 40 days. 40 days, he was appearing in Jerusalem. He was appearing in Galilee, which is, I don't know, 70, 80, 90 miles north of Jerusalem. Uh, he, was, he was appearing to up to 500 people at a time. You talk about freaking people out. I mean, Jesus, who became a known prophet and a known uh, claim to be the Messiah and the Son of God and a great controversial, I mean, if it was today, it'd be all over the internet. I mean, social media would be like, did he really die? <laughs> you know, I just read a story, a very interesting story this week. Excuse me. Very interesting story this week about uh, uh, Joseph of Arimathea, who's, who's a key figure in that he took Jesus' body off the cross and took it and put it in a tomb that he owned, actually a wealthy man's tomb. Put it in a tomb that he owned and they sealed it up with the rock was there just like they would have if Joseph had died himself. And I read in depth about some of the history on Joseph of Arimathea. And that moment changed his life. He was a part of the Sanhedrin that basically decided that Jesus needed to be crucified. But he voted. He didn't vote uh, uh, for that. He, he stood against it. It turns out they believe that he may have been a great uncle of Jesus, a wealthy man, who saw everything that happened, didn't say th anything overtly, but behind the scenes cut a deal where he could put Jesus in his tomb. 
Legend says, and actually some history talks about what happened to him after that. They claim that he traveled around. He actually spent a couple years in jail because of taking the body down and being a part of who Jesus was. So he suffered a little bit, but they got out and he got the crown of thorns. He had the crown of thorns. He had blood from Jesus and sweat from Jesus and he traveled around and supernatural things happened as a result of that everywhere he went. He ended up in Glastonbury, England where they say he planted that, that crown of thorns and there's a bush there today that's a thorny bush that's not common to that area. So whether that's fact or legend or not, you see the effect of Jesus on lives all over the place. Everyone that sees him, everyone that encounters him, they cannot stay the same any longer. And it's so explosive it was in the Roman Empire that people that followed Jesus, they, they started calling them little Jesuses, Christians, Christ little ones, Christ followers, to be a Christian was now even seen as, as an opponent to the Roman Empire. You know, somehow they were subversive in some way. And of course, many even claim when the Roman Empire fell that it was the fault of the Christians that it fell. Who knows? I personally have studied that a lot. I don't believe that. But uh, when you insert Jesus into a culture, a culture is going to change. When you insert Jesus into a town, it's going to shift. When you insert Jesus into a family like my grandmother, Four foot 11, part Cherokee woman, uh, a powerful prayer warrior in God. Her conversion, I forget, many, many years ago. She, she is long gone now, but her imprint on my life is huge. Many, many years ago when she became a believer in Jesus Christ, it was like a pebble dropped in a pond and the rippling effect touched her really difficult husband who was a coal miner in West Virginia. Foul mouth, drinker, boom! Power of God came upon him because of a little lady that believed in Jesus Christ. That rippling effect went down into our whole family. Touched my mom, touched my dad, and ultimately touched me, my children, and my grandchildren. One person. One person who wasn't mighty in the flesh. <laughs> wasn't a mighty-looking woman. I used to go down in the basement of their house all the time where she sewed for the poor. She was a great seamstress, and it's kind of an interesting little thing, but you'd go into the bathroom of their house in West Virginia, and you'd open this trap door. I always liked it as a little kid, you know. I, I just thought it was something fun to do. You know, you open this trap door, you walk down these steps, and she had this secret place in the basement where she would sew all day long, you know. And so going up and down those steps, and I thought, how powerful that one drip of the blood of Jesus Christ with that woman and changed an entire family for generations to come. And I believe for generations that will still come after that. How powerful it is in a person's life when you come to the point where you say, write your name on my heart. I belong to you. So we read again as Jesus is moving, he's, he's out and about, he's resurrected. And it says here that uh, he, he, uh, that he very early in the day in, in Luke 24, on the first day of the week, uh, they, which was several women and certain other women with them, by the way, women never feel second class. I mean, the, the gospel of Jesus Christ first was put into the hands of women. Women had to go tell the men, and the men didn't believe it. Just say it. Anyway, it says here that they came to the tomb bringing the spices which they had prepared. So they were tending to the tomb. They were, they were watching it and praying and just waiting and, 
and uh, uh, brought their spices which they prepared. But they found the the stone rolled away from the tomb and they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it happened as they were greatly perplexed about this because there were a lot of rumors that his body was gonna be stolen in order to create this legend that he was raised from the dead. And so the Romans sealed the tomb so they could know if that stone had been moved or not. Uh, but there it was. It was broken. They had guards there. The guards were, were totally uh, uh, undone by the presence and power of Christ, and Jesus walked out. So they're finding this, and they're perplexed, and they said two men stood by them in shining garments, i.e. angels, that as they, they, then as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, the angels said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? I, I love that phrase because I feel it applies to our culture right now. We look in so many places for something that will fulfill our heart. We're looking among the dead. We're looking among things that are temporal, things that will not last, things that end in death in our lives. And I almost hear that echoing through the angels as if the Lord is saying through these angels, why do you seek for the living among the dead? Why do you seek for the living in drugs, in all kinds of lifestyles and in everything else? It's not there. Life is not in that. Life is in Jesus Christ. And so it says here, as you begin to read further, it says, they said, he is not here, he has risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee? I love the fact that the angels are preaching to them now. Remember? Remember how he said, you know, he said this was going to happen and on the third day he'd rise again and they remembered his words. Mm. An aha moment. Verse nine, it says, they returned from the tomb and they told all these things to the 11 and to all the rest. It was Mary Magdalene Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and other women with them who told these things to the apostles. And their words seemed to be like idle tales. And they did not believe them. That's kind of, it's a very contemporary issue also. People hear about Jesus. Oh, well, how do you really know this? And, you know, I was watching a video this week. I don't know how many of you know Jordan Peterson, who's a... uh, He's a, uh, a YouTube uh, phenomena. He's a psychiatrist from uh, uh, Toronto. Brilliant man. He's uh, really popped on the scene several years ago when he started debating uh, really about moral issues. Even though he's not a believer or a Jew, uh, Judeo-Christian values were there in his heart. He was, and people asked him all the time, are you a Christian? He goes, I, I don't know, maybe. I don't he, he didn't really... As smart as he was, he couldn't pull it together in his mind. But just last week, he released uh, a short video uh, where he was being interviewed. Actually, someone else released it, where he was being interviewed. And he's had a very difficult couple years, uh, physically and emotionally. And it was fascinating to watch them interview him because he said some, uh, this brilliant man, I mean, probably, arguably, one of the smarter people that you're going to know about or be introduced to in the world. He wrote a great book called 12 Rules of Life that sold gazillions of copies. And here's what he said just the other day, just last week. He said, he was weeping when he said this. The brilliant man was weeping. And he said, I'm amazed that I believe in Jesus. And he just, he, can't, he couldn't speak. He was so overwhelmed by it he, because he couldn't get his brilliant mind wrapped around 
this understanding. He said, I, I'm amazed, I believe in Jesus. And he says, I've, and he starts speaking, he says, I've seen the objective world and, and the narrative world touch at times, but it's, it's terrifying reality to believe. I don't know what it would fully mean and what would happen to you if you believed it, if you believed in Jesus Christ. So around the world right now, God's touching all kinds of people. This is not something that is strange where you're, you're, you're questioning. Even his disciples that traveled with him for two and a half years, they're like, what? How can this, how can this be? And they probably reminded him and said Lord, what the angel said. Well, don't you remember? He told us that. That he would tear down this temple in three days and it would be restored back. And everyone laughed and mocked at him because he was standing in a literal temple when he said it. They didn't get it. They didn't get the metaphor. They didn't get the analogy. They didn't understand what was going on. It says it was so the women, they, they understood. But look at this, verse 12, fascinating. But Peter, Peter, who denied him three times. Do you know, Peter denied him three times after the Lord told him that he was gonna deny him three times. How bad is that? You're gonna lie to me. You're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna deny me or you're gonna whatever three times. Oh, no, 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 I'll never do that. And yet within 24 hours, you've done that. It's interesting because Jesus the resurrected Jesus shows up at the end of the book of John and finds, finds Peter who had, I'll get back to him in a minute, who had, who had kind of drifted away and he's disillusioned. He went up to Galilee, out of Jerusalem. He ran for his life, went up there and thought, I, I, you know, I'm just, I'm getting out of here. I, I gotta process this. So he goes back to fishing. And through a supernatural encounter, the Lord reminded him of an earlier fishing miracle that he had done for him. And once again, he caught a boatload of fish, you know. And in that moment, he revealed and understood who Jesus was. And in and, and his brokenness with Jesus, he goes, Jesus. I mean, he's still feeling the effect of denying him three times. You know what Jesus does? Jesus, you know, he's the great physician. He's, he's the lion of the tribe of Judah. He's the lamb of God. I think he's also Jehovah therapist. He turns to Peter and says, Peter, do you love me? He says, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, I love you. I love you. And he says, then feed my sheep. You know, get back to what I asked you to do. Drop the fishing occupation and become a fisher of men. Jesus says the second time, Peter, do you love me? Lord, you know, you know I love you. To feed my sheep, you think that's enough? The third time, Jesus says, Peter, do you love me? Peter says, yes, I love you. Isn't it interesting? Jesus comes back three times on three denials. He affirms him back, erasing each one. That's the grace and the mercy of God. And he is here right now with his eraser. And his eraser is looking into your life. Things that have been locked in your mind since you were five years old, eight years old, 12 years old, rejection, hurt, wounds, abuse, whatever it might be. I'm telling you, he's got an eraser that eradicates every thought and brings the healing oil of heaven in the core of your heart. So he's going, all right, what's Jesus doing? He's appearing to people. He's clearing up the confusion. He's prepping them for a long-term mission. <laughs> you know, that he's not gonna over overrun the Roman Empire. He's got a different kind of kingdom that he's building and it took a while. Really, it took about 100 years for everyone to figure that out. People are still trying to figure that out. We think the national things that happen are the ultimate for our rescue and our salvation, but it's not. It's in Jesus Christ and his kingdom. He spent 40 days in the wilderness. 
He also spent 40 days wandering around encouraging people before he ascended into heaven. So finally, it says here, but Peter in verse 13, arose and ran to the tomb. He's pretty excited about this. And stooping down, he saw the linen cloths lying by themselves, and he departed, marveling to himself all which had happened. You know, the Word of God says in 1 Corinthians 15 about the resurrection, which is the greatest day in human history, once you're a believer and you realize what it was all about. It says in 1 Corinthians, a great passage that really unpacks the, the power of the resurrection. It says, in fact, it was, this was a creed in the first century church. The first century church would have had this memorized and repeated it over and over again. In verse four, uh, I'm sorry, verse, uh, yeah, somewhere verse four, I'll go verse four. And he was buried and he rose again on the third day according to scripture. And that he was seen by Cephas, Peter, then by the 12. So I want you to see Jesus is working the crowd. He's going person by person, revealing and saying, I'm here. Even doubting Thomas missed the meeting that Jesus showed up at. All the disciples were there and, and Thomas shows up late. We know him as Doubting Thomas, right? How would you like to be known for that the rest of your life? He shows up, and he's like, hey, what's happening? And the guys go, you won't believe. Isn't that the way it is? I mean, you, there's a church service you wanted to go to, you didn't go, and it was powerful service or whatever it might be, and you're like, what, I missed it, you know? And, and they're like, what, what? He's like, what, 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 what happened? He said, Jesus was here. No way. Yahweh. Yeshua, <laughs> he was here. They're like, no, there's no way. I wouldn't believe it. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. You guys are all messing with me. I wouldn't believe it for anything. So he was here. I'm telling you, he was here. He came right amongst us. He stood right here in his room. There's just no way. I won't believe it until I can touch the, the, the nail prints in his hand and thrust my hand into his side and feel where that sword hit him in the side. And all of a sudden, Jesus is there. Imagine Jesus standing there. Behold, my hands. Want to check it out? I mean, Thomas is probably quite startled at this point. He said, here, feel the side. And Thomas probably reached his hand in there and felt it. And in a moment, see, you understand, Jesus will go after every doubt. He'll go after every fear. You say, well, he's not appearing anymore. Ask the Christians in this room if that's true or not. He is still appearing. In fact, he is in your life thousands of times throughout your life. Thousands of times where you just thought, well, that's kind of serendipitous and it's kind of a coincidence. It was a little surprise. I'm telling you, Jesus is on the move through his Holy Spirit. And what I want to tell you right now in conclusion is that he came, the Bible says, to seek and to save the lost. And he's always coming to seek and to save the lost. And so we see as he continues to expand this rippling effect, this circle that we're reading about, first Cephas, then the 12, and then he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain to this day. In other words, they were still alive at that time, but some have fallen asleep, a euphemism for death. He says, after that, he was seen by James, and then by all the apostles. And then last of all, he was seen by me. This is Paul writing in Corinthians 
He's writing actually after the death of Christ. He was not one of the original disciples, but had a personal appearance of Christ in his life where he was struck down off his high horse. And the Lord said, Saul, Saul, why are you messing with me? Why are you persecuting me? He was struck blind, and for days he was blind. He came out under the power of the Lord when a man prayed for him, and his life, which was bent on destruction of those who were in the way, so to speak. The way were the Christian followers, a nickname for the Christian followers. He was in the way. He was killing them. He was taking them to trial. He was beating them because they're following Jesus. That man, <laughs> that evil man who is far from God, boom, the power of God hit him. His life was transformed. Why did Jesus appear to him? Because he's coming. He's coming after you. I remember I was talking to someone just out in public a couple months ago. I think it was Panera or something. I asked him the thing I ask everybody that typically I come in contact with, and I'll ask him, are you a Jesus follower? And this person said, uh, 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 Jesus follower, you know, and they're, they're puzzled by it and everything. And, and, uh, uh, but they, they, I said, well, I, I said this not realizing how it sounded you know, because I'm still experimenting with this. And I said, uh, I said, she said, why, why would you ask me that? And I said, because I believe Jesus is after you. And when I said that, she said, oh, no. I don't want Jesus after me. And I said, no, 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 he's after you in a good way. He's coming with love. See, the immediate thought out there is, is that he's out for judgment. I want to tell you today, he is out for love. There is an ultimate judgment. And we'll all be a part of that, even believers. But I thank God that he's not after me for all the things I'm doing wrong. Because trust me, every day I can stack it up. He is after me because he is compelled by love. And he's, he's, if you'll think about it, if you, you'll do an autopsy of your history and look back and say, what, is, what has my life really been about? You're going to realize that there are points, inflection points in your life where things turn, where things change. And it's the wooing love of Jesus Christ through his Holy Spirit, calling you to come to him. You know, my dad, he was a tough old guy. He wasn't seeking God, but God was seeking him. And in one night back in 1978, it was in July, a hot July day, in 19, I'm sorry, 1976, right, right during the, the uh, bicentennial uh, celebration. Radical scenario with my dad, who was a hard, crusty union leader here in Cleveland, and uh, the power of God hit him in one moment. He fell on the floor, rolled around in his $800 suit. And when he got up off the floor, everything had changed. He became an evangelist. He told everyone about Jesus. He witnessed to famous people here in the city and abroad. God brought him before all kinds of people. You know, you would know from that generation, Frank Sinatra, Lucille Ball, all kinds of people that he encountered. You know, he was always had Jesus Christ on his tongue, he couldn't help it. I was with him once when he returned some dry cleaning to a, or some clean, uh, clothes that he cleaned to a dry cleaner. And uh, the guy said, oh, you're coming to get washed and cleaned. You know, you get your clothes washed and cleaned. He said, yes. He said, but I've already been washed and cleaned. And the guy said, what are you talking about? He said, well, he starts telling them the story before you know it. That dry cleaning guy has his hands lifted up, receiving Jesus Christ into his life, you know. So you know, what happens is the Lord is seeking everybody. He's going after it. And like my father, he touched him. And in a powerful way, he became a tool in the hands of God. My sister, who had struggled with uh, 
Same-sex attraction. She gave her testimony here probably last year for 50, over 50 years. Been a constant struggle in her life. Her neighbor called her over from across the street, said something to her. My sister began weeping. And, and she had to run away, actually get away from this, this lady who was very kind. It wasn't because of that. It's because what she said went to the core of her heart because it was the Holy Spirit that was wooing her out of, not out of judgment, but out of love and spoke into her heart. She told me later on when she met me right out here in this lobby, she called me and said she wanted to talk to me. And I thought, uh-oh, you know, I wonder what's going on, what's happening and everything. I sat down and met with her and she said, I, I gotta tell you a story. She told me this story and Cindy and I sat there and she said, and, and, and the Holy Spirit overwhelmed my stubborn heart. And to this day, she's a follower of Jesus Christ. We thank the Lord that he is reaching out and touching everyone. Regardless of what you're having difficulty with, what you're suffering with, I want you to know Jesus died on this cross for you. He was thinking about you thousands of years ahead. And he thought, this person, Chris, Frank, Sam, Carolyn, Nicole, all around this room. He's thinking of you. His eyes are on you. And on the cross, he thought, he looked ahead for the joy set before him. The Bible says he endured the cross. And so he reveals himself to all of them and he does all throughout the New Testament. I'll finish with this. He saw each one of them. He saw Nathaniel under the tree. He met Nathaniel and he said, I saw you under the tree. There was no physical way that he could see Nathaniel under the tree. Peter, he helped him catch some fish. When he caught the fish, Peter was so overwhelmed. If you've been watching The Chosen, which we watched last night, you see this scene. Peter's overwhelmed. He falls on his knees and says, ah, I'm unworthy. He appeared to Paul on the road to Damascus. Thomas felt the scar. Zacchaeus was up in a tree, had no intention of meeting Jesus. Jesus' eye turned up to him. He was a tax collector. He said, Zacchaeus, come home because I'm coming over to your house for dinner. That was unheard of. Pharisees, religious people, would never relate with a, with a uh, tax collector or sinner, prostitute, anything like that. Jesus loved them all. Yeah. Pharisees didn't even like children, even good children. Jesus said, let the children come to me. I love them. If you watch The Chosen, I mean, he's, he starts out really the whole series with kids, with children. So she touches children. The centurion, the Roman centurion, who are not low-level officers. Centurion means they had 100 soldiers under their control, tough, rugged, battle-weary men. He stood and he said at the cross, after Jesus died, he said, truly, this was the Son of God. There's seven occasions of centurions showing up in the New Testament. It's rumored that he possibly could have been the centurion in Acts chapter 10 that was a God-fear following hard after God and opened the door for the Holy Spirit to touch the Gentile world. No one knows, but how many centurions found Jesus Christ? We don't know. Blind Bartimaeus, we saw him in the play on Friday. He heard the sound of Jesus approaching. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Everyone was trying to push him back. The crowd was pushing back. Jesus said, let him come to me. Let him come to me. And he comes, and even as you saw in the play on Friday, he's healed totally by the power of Jesus Christ. After Jesus resurrected on the road to Emmaus, he's just out walking, probably making his way up to Galilee. 
comes up to a couple guys and says, hey, who are you, you know, and start talking to him, having no idea they are followers of Jesus Christ, having no idea that they are walking with Jesus. And he's talking to them. And they say, have you not been around? Do you not know of Jesus of Nazareth who just was crucified on the cross? And it says, and Jesus began to talk about himself throughout the old prophets and historic books of the Bible. In other words, he can give them a Bible lesson on the road. They believe it's a seven-mile road that he was on. It was probably about a, I don't know, maybe an hour walk, two-hour walk, whatever it might be. And along the way, he opened it up, and they get to a turnoff where he's moving in a different direction, and they appeal to him and said, no, 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 no. Follow us. Come eat with us. So Jesus goes. He's not in a hurry. 40 days resurrected. He's not in a hurry. He goes with them. They go in there. They sit at the table. You know, wondering who this man is that's been walking with them has such amazing knowledge about Jesus Christ. And they come to a point where they ask him to break the bread as a, as a guest. And he reaches out. And when he breaks the bread, in a moment they knew who he was. Revelation came to him and he disappeared. You imagine? They looked at one another and one of the guys said, the kind of guy that said, I knew something was going on there. He said, did not our hearts burn within us? I mean, they thought this is, something is different about this guy. And in a moment, they'd had a touch from Jesus, had a visitation from Jesus. So what I want to ask you is, has Jesus visited you? Can you see him in your life? Even if you're not a follower of Jesus, he's a follower of you. He clicked that. I want to follow you. I want to watch you. I don't want him watching me. He watches you. Because he loves you. And he came to seek and to save the lost. You know, he tells a parable. Amazing. It's my favorite parable, really. Some people, it's rumored that some people think that all Jesus' parables were actually life illustrations from his life. Friends he knew, family, neighborhood, whatever. That would be typical of a preacher or a rabbi share from their own story. And he tells this amazing parable when the Pharisees are with him and they're criticizing him, they always had thoughts about him, which he knew. He was able to read their thoughts. And they're, they're judging him because they're trying to trick him up all the time. Religious people try to do that. You know, uh, you hang out with sinners and tax collectors. So Jesus tells us a story, and he's brilliant at this, that indicts them possibly without them even knowing it. And he says, there's a shepherd with a hundred sheep. And one wanders off and gets entangled in some thorns. And the shepherd leaves the 99 and goes after the one. And when he finds the one, he takes the one out of the briars and the thicket. He, it's tradition says he put him on his shoulder. And he said, he immediately said, uh, you were lost, but you're found. And basically, he said, let's go celebrate. Everything that Jesus does, every soul that comes into the kingdom, all of heaven celebrates. I don't know what your view is of heaven. You will be shocked when you get there. When you get to heaven, it is a constant party. It is a celebration of people that are absolutely, totally liberated from the bonds of this world and are celebrating eternal life with Jesus Christ, the lover of their soul. So he's telling us the Pharisees, why does that bother the Pharisees? Number one, they didn't like parties. 
Number two, they didn't think, they knew what he was doing. He's describing like what God would do, that God would leave the 99 and go after the one. They had no theology for that because God does not go after anybody. It's up to you to go after him. And you're gonna have a long, hard work to get to where he is. You're gonna have to live a righteous life and you can't mess up at all. I mean, it's an impossible task. And so the weight of the law was upon them. They even said about Jesus, Jesus said about himself, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. There isn't some religious path. There's one path and it's through the blood of Jesus Christ over there. When you give your life to Jesus Christ, you align yourself with him. He empowers you with his Holy Spirit so that you can do what he's called you to do. You can walk righteously. Are we perfect? Not on this side of heaven. But when Jesus, when God the Father looks at you, he looks through the veil of Jesus Christ into your life. And you are judged by who Jesus is, not by who you are. I like that. So he tells them that story and they're probably there like, no, 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 that's nonsense, nonsense. Second story. There's a woman. They didn't like women. Pharisees got up every day and said, thank God, I'm not a Gentile, and I'm not a woman. Good group to hang out with. And Jesus says, now making as if God is a woman. This really freaked Pharisees out. And he says, and a woman lost a coin of great value, and so she gets the broom. This is a picture of God. He sweeps the house. He's looking for the one coin, you know. He's going through the house, and he finds it underneath the sofa. The Bible doesn't say that. That's what I'm assuming pulls it out from under the sofa, and she rejoices and says, let's party because the coin that was lost. What does a coin represent? You know, the first one, the lamb represents somebody who just makes a mistake, wanders off, and ends up somewhere they didn't want to go. The Lord is after you because he loves you. He's coming to your rescue. He's breaking down walls. He'll leave the 99. He will show up. He's a reckless God. He will really come after you no matter where you are. The second one knows a coin. A coin is inanimate. It, a coin just, it can't do anything. It's stuck where it is. I, I will never move unless I'm rescued. That's some people. Some people are in a place they cannot get out of. But I want you to know that God is sweeping the floor and he's coming after you right now. And, so, and when he finds you, it's not like, where have you been? He didn't say that to the sheep. He gathered that sheep up, put it on his shoulder, and rejoiced that the lost sheep was found. I tell you, he's looking for you out of love, and he will rejoice when he finds you. The third thing he did was, was the son, prodigal son, known as the prodigal son, who had a great deal at home, but he took his inheritance. He went off. He squandered everything. It's somebody who knows what they're doing, and they rebel. <laughs> and they say, I don't care what you think. I'm going to do this. And they end up broken, hurt, distraught, separated, and a long way from home. And when he's in a pigsty eating what the pigs eat, totally broke, losing his inheritance. He, he's shamed. He, he can't go back home. I mean, he'll, he'll be the, the shame of the community. But out of desperation, he probably just goes far enough away where he can see the house. And as some urge comes upon him, the Bible says he begins to walk toward that place. And, and the father in this case did not go after him, but stood back and watched for him because the son had to have a change of heart. And the father will not do that. He'll influence you, he'll touch you, he'll love you, but ultimately, you make the decision. And so all of a sudden, the father sees the familiar walk of his son coming in the distance. The father can't take it any longer. He begins to run because it's the heart of God. He begins to run after his son. The Bible says it's a very strange phrase. It says he, 
he fell upon his son. I mean, he dove in the air and tackled him probably like when he was a little boy. And they rolled there in the dirt and he's weeping and sweat and weeping and a brokenness and everything else all mixed into one as the son says, Dad, I know I can't, I'm not a son. I, if you just make me your servant, I just, I just need a job, Dad. I need, and he says, nonsense. You're my son. My son who was lost is now found. And he says, bring him a, put a ring on his hand. Put, put sandals on his feet. Bring him a robe. In other words, a picture of instant restoration. And the son gets pulled back into the family. But his older brother gets upset. You know who the older brother is? The Pharisees. And they knew who it was. They were, they were angry after he said this. They were incensed that he kind of unveiled them in front of the public as a heartless group of religious people that didn't care about the sinner. Would never go after them. But Jesus communicates, God is moving all the time. He's in your life right now. You could be far from God. God is not far from you. Let's all stand together if we could. If you're here today, you know, normally we take up a, uh, um, first Sunday of the month, we take up an offering for Africa. We're ministering in two really great ministries in uh, Kenya, res- uh, rescuing kids off the street, getting them training and equipped food, everything they need, education, restoring them back in, into either a healthy home that they're already living in, where that's happened, uh, or into a home that, like in foster care, what we would call in America, you know, in a restored Christian household where they can be treated what nice uh, and, and get what they need. Also, hydrating humanity where we dig wells. We're not going to do that today because I don't want to mess with this moment. We'll do it next week. So next week, we're going to take up that offering. If you came ready to do that, just save it till next week. We've already raised over $15,000 in one month. So we're pretty excited about that. We're going to touch souls in Africa. But right now, let's see God touching your soul. If you're here right now and you do not know Jesus Christ, hey, I don't know, you're the sheep that wandered off, you know? Maybe you're a coin that's just been, I mean, you couldn't choose where you were born. You couldn't choose your parents. You couldn't choose your environment. I mean, you were stuck in a situation. Or like the prodigal son, he said, the heck with it, I'm gonna go do what I wanna do, and it didn't work out well. Or maybe it even did work out well. But you still find the emptiness in your heart. It's funny, money will not fill that. <laughs> All the things you think will fill it, really, really, it just doesn't. It doesn't. I just heard Justin Bieber talk about that. He said, you know, you can have all the money in the world and still be miserable. But he recently found Jesus Christ. It's transforming his life. And he's in process. God's touching him, reforming him, transforming him in great ways. So wherever you are right now, whether you're a sheep, a coin, or a lost son or daughter, I got good news for you. God has been after you for a long time. And he loves you with an everlasting love. And this is your moment. I, I like to do things, you know, you know, I feel like that salvation and the understanding of salvation sticks better when you, when you overtly basically declare that I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. You say, what's that going to mean? I can tell you a first step is to roll around on the ground with Jesus. <laughs> you know, enjoy the fruit of freedom in Jesus Christ. 
If you're here right now, you've never asked Jesus. There's no magic in a prayer, but there's something when it comes from your heart. And you cry out to God and say, Lord, I'm that sheep. I'm that coin. I'm that lost son or daughter, Lord. I don't even know what to say. Jesus, I believe that you died on that cross for me. I ask, Lord, that you would forgive me, cleanse me. When you do that, the power of God comes onto your life. And it's not just for this moment. Because he gives you his Holy Spirit to follow you, encourage you, empower you, even energize you. If you're a low-energy person, wait till the Holy Spirit gets a hold of you, man. It's powerful. The ideas and creativity, all of heaven opens up to you. So if that's you and you say, you know, I've never done that, or maybe you have done that, and kind of drifted off, took it as like a little religious token, you know, a little crypto. I've got this token, it's heaven's token. I'm gonna to get to heaven someday. It doesn't quite work that way. This is a transformational life that God puts in your heart. It's not just about the prayer, but the prayer is a good beginning. And so I think public boldness to say, to raise your hand. You don't have to say anything. You don't have to, we're gonna pray something together. But if you're here and you say, I've either never done that or I've drifted away and I want to get back on track following Jesus Christ. It's not about religion and church and everything else. It's about Jesus. I want to follow Jesus Christ. If that's you, either you've never done it or you'd like to get back on track, raise your hand around the room and keep it raised. I want to pray for you. Anyone around the room, as I look, we just want to pray for you together. We're right over here, thank you. We want to be bold before the Lord. You say, well, I'll do it when I get home. You know, there's not always a moment where you're, it's the Holy Spirit that's actually stirring your heart to do that. You leave here and you're going to be thinking about chicken, ham, things like that. You forget about Jesus. But right now in this moment, this is, a, this is a, an inflection point in your life where things could turn into a totally different direction for your marriage, for your kids. Like my grandmother, one drop whole generations touched. This is your moment right now. I'm going to give you another chance here, about 30 more seconds, and then i got to go to the next, next service over there. But right now, across this room, as just as I look, we want to pray for you. Across this room, but that's you. Raise your hand, and I want to pray for you all across this room. Anybody? I don't want to miss anyone. All right. Thank you for that hand. Anyone else? Don't want to miss anyone. All right. Those couple that raised your hand at the end of this meeting, in a few minutes when I dismiss. Feel free to come up front. Where's Jay? Uh, Jay's going to finish out here. We've got a book and stuff for them, right? We'd love to get you on track in your new life in Jesus Christ. And here's what you need to do. Together, let's pray. Since the rest of you, I'm assuming, are believers, followers of Jesus, let's pray this prayer together as if we're praying it for the first time. Just say, Lord Jesus, I give my life fully to you. I believe you died on the cross for me. I yield my life to you. My past, my present, my future. I want to follow you. Forgive me of my sins and wrongdoing. Cleanse me with that eraser you have. And help me to walk in a righteous way for you, Jesus. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you said that prayer and you meant it from the heart, we believe you're born again. And when you're born again, you're born again. It's a new birth. All things are now new in Christ Jesus. So let's just thank the Lord for that. We had several people again. So good. It's amazing.
it never gets old, does it? When someone gives their heart to Jesus. Do you remember what that day was like when you gave your heart to him? Anybody in this room today? Come on, the greatest moment of my life. And it's yours today. So good. Hey, can I get our ministry teams, BSSM, BSSM alumni to come and line up the front? We have a, a group of trained ministry teams and schools, school of ministry students who would love the opportunity to pray with you. But man, we, Bethel Cleveland, we just have faith to believe. We've been asking a lot recently that God would strike that match and light us up. Would you agree in prayer with me for that over this next year of your life? that God would just light up your life with his fire and his presence. If that's you, can you put your right hand up? And I want to pray for you. Father God, in Jesus' name, I just pray that you would strike a match. Light us up, Father, that your presence would come in a way that only you can, that we would experience what it is like when Jesus is walking in the middle of our life. Father, I pray that you would just touch every heart in this room today. Wake us up, God. Open up our eyes to seeing you in our everyday life and that we would be transformed by the presence of God, that your presence would create heavenly momentum in our lives, that we would move forward into the promises of God. Some of you have been sitting on some promises this morning. I feel like the Lord is saying that it is now. The time is to step forward and step into it now, not five years in the future. So Father, I just bless that. And I just pray that you would bless everyone with the most incredible Easter, that we would go out these doors and continue celebrating our risen King, Jesus Christ. In Jesus' mighty name, everyone said, amen. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Yeah. Again, if you wanted any ministry or prayer, we have our BSSM students and alumni and our trained ministry teams here who would love to pray with you. Thank you so much for joining us.